0: Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. Today's episode contains some super inspirational stuff, but it does contain some strong language that we don't
1: censor. I realized that I had internalized, subconscious messages of self-hatred. And in that way, my body was actually doing exactly what I was telling it to do. And it was attacking the enemy and the enemy was me. I'm Amanda Austin, and I'm
0: Kristen Dobbs, and you're listening to The Struggle is Real, the podcast where we chat with the people who inspire us the most. Real people in the middle of a wellness journey.
2: Oh, hey. Hey. How are you? We, we've got a new episode for you. This time, we're talking with Krista. And she is uh, an amazing human with a really cool story of her mm-hmm. own, her personal journey. Um, And she also is going to chat a lot with us about TRE, which is trauma release exercises. Yep. So those exercises really
0: caught our interest. They're super interesting. They might sound a little strange when you first hear about them, um, but after our interview, our chat with Krista ended, she actually mentioned that she was about to start a four-week online course teaching people how to do these TRE TRE
2: exercises. And so we were lucky enough to snake some spots. Yeah, and that's where we've been every single Sunday. And so with Krista's program, it really incorporates yoga and these exercises. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that it's been a really interesting experience for me because in my early 20s, I was unfortunately involved in a style of yoga that was not... Um, helpful for my heart or my body Um, and I ended up being kind of burnt and burnt out by yoga this style particular style of yoga and there's only been one time in the last kind of like 12 or 13 years that I've practiced yoga and that's actually been with Vicky who we also interviewed in the podcast (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so for the last few weeks, we've been doing these TRE exercises with Krista and doing yoga. hmm And it's actually felt really good. It's been a really safe and beautiful container to practice in mm-hmm. um, that's free of judgment and free of pushing your body to do unnatural things in the name of yoga. <laughs> So we're not normally about uh, business promotion, but we highly, highly believe in what Krista's doing. Yes. So and we just wanted to let you know that we've actually tried what she's talking about. Um, yeah. And it's a super cool experience. Yeah. It's really yeah. different. It's kind of out there, but it's been really helpful for us. Yeah. So just keep that in the back of your minds that we're not just talking out of our bums <laughs> about it. We're actually in the midst of practicing it. As yeah. Well. All right, let's just dive on in. Yeah. Also, leave us a review and check us out on Patreon. We love you.
0: Please keep in mind that this is one person's unique journey to wellness. We're not recommending or endorsing anything that's been discussed in this episode.
2: Okay, you gonna start us off? Should we start start us us off? I always start us off. Should we switch it up today? I don't know. I get all fumbling. It'll be weird. (laughs) It'll be super weird. Too weird. All right. Good morning. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. We have Krista on the. Episode on the podcast. I am very excited.
0: Oh, yeah. We've been looking forward to this chat for a while now. So I am so excited. We're here, we're chatting with you, and we're going to get to hear so much more about your story. So thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks. I'm excited to be here.
2: All right. We're going to just dive right in because that's what we like to do. Yes. Great. Please. All right.
0: Did you have a definitive moment in life when you knew that things had to change, your wellness journey had to begin?
1: Yeah, so I've had a couple of them, but one of the biggest ones was this was several years ago now, and a little backstory I <clears throat> had been diagnosed with celiac disease, which is an autoimmune condition. And I bring that up for those people that don't know, cause it factors into the story here. Uh, and I had I had all the symptoms, right? And I had gotten the diagnosis finally. And so I sort of did the things that you're supposed to in order to start feeling better. So primarily with celiac, it's like removing all gluten, but then also other food sensitivities and, and lifestyle changes, right? And all of these, things and I had done them and I still felt terrible and I still, I had gotten better, but I still wasn't feeling as good as I knew I could be. Damn it. And it was really starting to bother me and just wear on my quality of life. And so I had this moment, which, uh, it's like, I remember it so vividly. It was like what you sort of see in a movie, which I didn't think was real. And then it happened to me. And I was like, okay, so I'm standing there at the end of the night, washing my face. And I'm thinking about what it means to have an autoimmune condition. And the idea is that autoimmune is that your body is attacking itself. Right. And and that sort of signaling in your immune system somewhere goes a little bit haywire. And so I started thinking about it further because the way that my brain works is I'm a questioner, right? And I'm always questioning things, trying to get at the root cause of them. And I was thinking, why would my body get the message that I was the enemy? Why would it be thinking that it needed to attack me? And then it hit me. And when I say it hit me, it was like, literally like a light bulb went off. I had my face in the towel drying off and I fell to my knees in just sobbing tears. And I realized that my body was getting that message because that was the message that I was sending it. I realized that I had internalized subconscious messages of self hatred. And in that way, my body was actually doing exactly what I was telling it to do. And it was attacking the enemy and the enemy was me. And when I realized that it was like it really was this like before and after moment of my life because I knew that I needed to change that dialogue and I knew I needed to become more fully conscious of it. And I knew that this, this idea of really, truly, radically accepting myself and loving myself needed to be part of the prescription, if you will, for my healing. And without it, it was going to continue to be incomplete the way I had been experiencing. So I call that moment my sort of awakening to love. Um, and it it set me on this path that completely transformed my life. Oh, hey, can we just take a second to appreciate that? An awakening to love? So like no big deal. Wow. Yeah. I was just washing my face at the end of the day. <laughs> you know,
0: just a complete awakening. In realization to this, wow, mm-hmm.
2: wow, holy shit, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's incredibly powerful because uh, how many of us, if we look mm-hmm. a little bit closer, would realize that we're sending our body messages of hate, of of disease, of of yeah, so many things. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm and i think what happens a lot of the times too is that we might have more of a conscious inkling that that's what we're doing than we like to accept and i think we tend to sort of bury it mm-hmm. and hope that it sort of sort of stays in our subconscious realm but i think more of us sort of realize it than we actually will admit out loud to ourselves yeah. mm-hmm. and that when we start to dig in we really start to realize how much there is behind that dialogue right and and my story really illuminates like how powerful those messages are right we don't think about words and and this dialogue that we we run inside of our brains is having so much power, but it really does, right? Like mm-hmm. I truly believe that it fueled my symptoms and my disease. I'm not saying that it's the cause for every autoimmune disease sufferer, right? I, I'm not saying that. Um, but I do think that in my case, I probably had a you know genetic predisposition to having it be this one that Developed, but I really think that the internal environment that I was creating for myself, mixed with these other factors, is what was the straw that broke my back, right? And really sent me into this place of disease and suffering and just feeling terrible in my life.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's not like we don't get a message continuously reinforced by things like social media that we should dislike our bodies.
0: Constantly. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. How long had you been struggling with celiac before you had this, this
1: realization? You know, that's a good question because the more I think back, the more I think I was actually suffering from the symptoms for years and years and years before, but it sort of came to a head. At that point, it had probably been a year and a half. I had gotten the diagnosis maybe maybe six months before the realization. So I had sort of, and I had already started on the path of doing the things that you need to like cutting gluten out. And for me, cutting dairy out. It was quite an intense period of suffering that I was in. I had lost a lot of weight. I had denied that I was sick for a really long time. I actually, it's funny because I remember um, my my husband at the time, he's not my ex-husband, but he was telling me, He was like, You're sick, you need to go to the doctor. And I was like, I'm fine, I'm just stressed. And he's like, No, I think there's something wrong with you. And I was like, I, no, there's nothing wrong with me. And the moment that it hit me that I was like, Oh shit, there is something wrong. I was laying in bed and I was all like curled up and had my arms tucked up under myself. And I was feeling I felt something in the blanket. And I thought something was just like wrapped up, you know, like caught in the sheets. And so I'm feeling around and patting the bed and I keep feeling it. And then I realized there's nothing in bed. I was feeling my ribs. Shit. Like I had lost so much weight that I, that like my ribs were poking out. And that and I had that sort of like, like my stomach sank. And I, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, I am sick. Yeah. And like looking back on it, I can look look at photos of myself from that year where things were really starting. My body was screaming at me and I was just not listening. And I can look back and be like, my God, I look so unhealthy and so ill. And I just, I, I refused to see it and accept it. And the people around me knew, but I, I wasn't having any of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, and I think that can be such
2: a difficult thing, right? We're like, we're like, we're strong women. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm taught Mm -hmm. that things are fine and
1: being super
2: thin isn't wrong.
1: And... (laughs) Yeah, well, and the other thing that's funny is what I was attributing it to is I kept saying, I'm just stressed. And I was working a new job that was really stressful. At the time, my relationship with my mother was at a really low, dark point. Actually with with my mother and my sister, which just made it that much worse. And there's a lot of things going on in my life that I I legitimately was stressed out about. Mm -hmm. But it's funny how even then, and I knew better, but I like stress was not enough for me to stop and take it seriously, right? Like it wasn't until I realized that the physical symptoms were bad enough did I really allow for the mental symptoms of what I had been going through to be enough to get me to seek some help, right? Like I was so willing to discount those because they weren't physical symptoms that were interfering enough. They became that. Because again, my body was screaming at me. And you know, the saying, like, listen to your body when it whispers, or you'll be forced to listen to it when it screams. Like, that is completely true. And so much of my lived experience, and it was whispering at me before. And I was like, just leave me alone, body. And yeah, I got stuff to do. (laughs) Right.
2: I'm a busy lady. (laughs) I got to do the things. Wow. Hmm. Okay, so you had this—you had this moment, drop to your knees moment, the come to Jesus here inquire um, moment. What happened? What
1: happened next? Yeah, so I really started reframing how I was thinking and how I regarded myself, and I really started incorporating this idea of self-love into my diet, if you will, right, and starting to really examine what my thoughts were and also where those thought patterns were coming from, right? And just having that awareness started shifting things. And I started you know, healing in ways that I hadn't been able to do before that. My body started getting stronger. My capacity to deal with stress started getting better. Life just started getting a little bit easier. But then what it also did is it started uncovering other things that I needed to work on, right? It started... Bringing other traumas in my life to light and allowing me to frame them as traumatic, right? Because living for uh, 30 years of self hatred is traumatic, right? And so I started realizing these other places in my life that needed attention too. And it started as some of the symptoms got better and sort of started falling out of my life it meant that the ones that were remaining almost had more room to shine. And so for me, right. You know what I mean? Like I kind of made space for them to sort of grow and fill that space. And so for me, that was the anxiety that I'd been living with and the panic attacks. So it's like all this stuff makes sense when I look back on it, right? Hindsight is, is 2020. I started having panic attacks when I was 12 years old and I, at my worst was having them almost every single day. And to say they were disruptive is is an understatement, right? And so those actually started for a period getting worse. And I had um, gone back to therapy. I was doing a lot of uh, sort of what we call like top-down approaches. So sort of attempting to make the um, mental emotional symptoms better by by working with my brain to sort of make my body feel better. And in that process, I kind of got to this place where I had been doing therapy for a while. I had done um, more EMDR with a different therapist and and I still was just having this anxiety and these, these panic attacks. And so again, my brain starts questioning like, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm doing all the stuff I'm supposed to. Why do I still feel so bad? Why am I still having this panic overtake me all of the time? And then I also I can remember again saying to that, to my ex-husband, I don't feel like I have anything left to talk about with regards to going therapy, right? I was like, I'm going, but I I don't even know what to say because it doesn't feel like the issue is happening in my life the way that it currently is. And then it hit me and I realized if it wasn't in my head, it was in my body. And if it was in my body, maybe I needed to find an approach that worked with my body, right? So this whole time, all this talk therapy, which is amazing. Talk therapy saved my life. I don't want to deter anyone from doing therapy, right? Go find a wonderful therapist that you love but is that the whole solution that you need or is there something else that needs to be involved? Right. And again, looking back on it, it's like panic and anxiety are very physical things. Right. So just think about that. And, you know, even just doing this, like my hands are moving and my shoulders tighten and it makes my heartbeat faster and sweaty. Right. Like it's physical. Well, no kidding. You have to include your body. Right. And so that set me on this path of, of, of really just, surrendering to the universe and saying, okay, I give up. I don't know what else I need to do. I need help. I know my body has to be included in the conversation. I'm ready and willing to do that. So, so bring me something that's gonna work, right? Point me in and, the right
2: direction.
1: Yeah, seriously. And it did. And I just happened to stumble across a a person in my town who is a TRE provider and TRE is tension and trauma releasing exercises. And this is a set of physical exercises that you do to initiate a natural shaking or tremor response in the body that helps act as a nervous system discharge, right? So it's completing a stress pathway in your body so that you can feel better right? And it starts to it starts to unwind and work some of this stuff out of your system that's sort of been held. And it helps you start to feel better, right? And it's relying on this mechanism that everybody has in their body innately. It's a part of our mammalian nervous system to be able to elicit this natural shaking and tap into it. And the reality is, is that when we can sort of get out of our own way, our body has an incredible capacity for healing in the same way that it has an incredible capacity for destruction and creating disease, right? With these like subconscious pathways of self-hatred, it can also do as much good as it can do bad, right? It can do the self-healing work that it needs to, to help your system regain regulation and let your body come back into a place of of just ease and balance, right? Like the opposite of disease really is ease. Life just gets easier. Mm. And so I had another sort of aha pivot moment in my life when I, when I practiced TRE for the first time. And I realized that this was the piece that I was missing. I realized every panic attack I had ever had was my body trying to discharge through this shaking mechanism. And I didn't know what it was. And I didn't have the words or the language or the... Um, experience with allowing that to happen. And so I inhibited it, which made it worse. It felt and turned into panic. And the entire time my body was just trying to get itself regulated when my sort of system became overloaded. Um, So anyway, long story short, this was such an incredible, you know, impact and, and changed my life for the better. I haven't had a panic attack in more than five years now. I trained to become a certified provider myself because I knew that I had found this sort of magic uh, pill. And I, I knew that I wanted to share that with other people that were suffering the way that I once had. And, mm. and so now this, I teach it to other people and help them have these transformations as well.
2: That feels really powerful.
1: Amazing. Wow. Wow.
2: I think it's really okay. I want to talk much more about this because I find it really exciting. Um, But I also really love that you bring up the fact that it's, uh, we need to deal with the mind and we need to deal with the body and that like, it's a system. Mm -hmm. It's interconnected. And we need to address it all.
0: Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of traditional modalities and therapies are really focused on dealing with one or the other. And there seems to be in a lot of cases, that lack of connection and that inclusion of both Mm -hmm. It's really powerful.
1: Well, and that's like, that's what we do. Like Western society in general is all about dissecting things down Mm -hmm. to parts and pieces. Right. And, and in some ways that is really helpful. You know, when you sprain your knee, you don't want to go see a cardiologist, (laughs) right? Like, you You want there to be specialization, but that isn't always the right answer because we are interconnected beings. We are mind, body, and spirit. There is you know we can say, and even in the work that I do when I you know teach people what I call nervous system literacy, and I'm talking about the nervous system and the brain and the spinal cord and nerves, it isn't really that. you know, we've just sort of dissected it that way for the sake of talking about it. But the nervous system is impacted and and takes information from the cardiovascular system, from the endocrine system, from the lymphatic, like there is no yeah. lymphatic system. It's just part of your body. And we've just yeah. chosen to chop it up that way. But you're right. And, and again, like I was even doing this before when I was saying, well, it's stress. And so that's separate. So that doesn't deserve attention the way that physical symptoms would be. And we do ourselves such a disservice when we start um, What's the word? Compartmentalizing. That's what I'm yes. trying to say. Compartmentalizing everything, right? Into these pieces rather than realizing how interconnected everything in us is, right? And what I love about this, too, to sort of take this off on a tangent, is as I've healed more, I have been able to see and watch the changes in the people around me. Because the healthier I get, the better able I am to show up, but I didn't say that right. The better I am able to show up in relationships as a regulated, emotionally well person and offer that to them so that they can co-regulate with me. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. so that when we heal ourselves, we actually make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. When Absolutely. We work on ourselves. It doesn't just stop with us. Yeah. That healing actually spills over our water's edge to start affecting those people around us. And that's been the most surprising and beautiful thing to witness as I've sort of progressed on this journey is seeing that start to happen with my parents, with my sister, with coworkers, with friendships, with partnerships, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: it continues to amaze me every day how powerful this really is.
0: Now, did you notice like changes within yourself after that very first TRE session or did it take a while of getting into that work to really start seeing a
1: difference? So for me, it was it was immediate, right? I felt immediate relief and it changed. I will say that is not the case for everyone. So there are some people, certainly some people have that same story. They they tremor, they shake once and it's like, okay, we're, we're doing this, this is wonderful, you're, it's changing my life. Other people, it takes a few sessions, right? It all depends on um, the person's system, how much they have to sort of release, how quickly that release happens. Right? There's a lot of different factors, um, but but definitely, it's something that that works relatively quickly uh, in the grand grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Well, and it's fascinating because we think we're like, okay, our emotions, our thoughts,
2: everything—it's all in the brain. The body just does its thing, and people don't realize. Um, how much is absolutely stored in the body. Mm -hmm. And we talk about muscle memory. Our bodies remember and they Mm -hmm. hold on.
1: Yeah, they do. What I love are um, looking at, I think it's, I can't remember now, it's either MRI or maybe it's CAT scan, but some kind of imaging where they'll do imaging of people feeling different emotions And you can see like the heat resonance differently in their bodies. And you can see the difference between anger and love or sadness and fear, right? They all have sort of different signatures if you will in the body right okay so if you're a big nerd
2: and this sounds really really fascinating to you you might do something like fall down a rabbit hole read way too many articles look at a ton of mri images forget to eat dinner and almost pee your pants um or is that just me? But I've included some of the interesting articles that I found in the show notes, so that you don't have to fall down that rabbit hole and you can
1: eat dinner. And and we know that too. Like if I just say, imagine feeling really sad, like imagine what sadness feels like. Right? It just it's this like it's sort of s- sad. It's sort of like a deflating like downward. You can you know you, it, it hurts right in your chest. Think about being excited and happy, right? It's the opposite. It's sort of like lifted up and expansive through the chest, right? Just these things as we talk about them can start to elicit a feeling in your body when you can connect to a memory of feeling a certain emotion, mm-hmm. and right? And so, and, and like I was saying before too, that the nervous system, which has obviously got your brain and, and what you think about in it, it isn't disconnected from these other things. So things like your endocrine system, which are responsible for pumping hormones through your body, when you get triggered into a place of a fight or flight response, that comes with a cascade of hormones, Mm -hmm. right? So you have things like cortisol and adrenaline pumping through your body, preparing you to be able to act out on those feelings, right? So to be able to have the energy Um, and the stamina to flight and run away or the strength and the power to fight, right? And what happens is when we continually experience those activations and that flood and cascade of hormones in our body over and over and over again, but we don't actually complete those pathways, right? When your boss is giving you a tight deadline or is emailing you and harassing you about something again and again, you're not gonna fight your boss, You're not going to run away from your job, right? But you are still going to have that response in your body. And so if you don't actually do something to discharge that out of your system, that imprint is staying in your body. It's staying in your muscles, right? That rigidity that you get as you're ready to run or ready to fight doesn't completely go away. And that's just one time, one interaction with your boss. Now, magnify that out times a lifetime of not acting on these things And you can see how it starts to build in the body, right? In the same way, my self-hatred was adding layers and layers and layers of messaging to my body that then turned into disease. These things can start manifesting in these ways that if we don't give ourselves time and space to be able to decompress and actually deal with, they really start to wreak havoc on the body.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Layers and layers and layers
1: and layers of them. -hmm. Right. And then you live through 2020 and you get a whole bunch more layers. (laughs) (laughs) You become a really large
2: onion. Exactly. Oh, okay. I'm super curious. Let's starting back kind of at the beginning with the with the self-hatred stuff. What was the first thing that you did to because I'm just curious for people that are listening to this, that are thinking about this, that are maybe having questioning brains like you, they're saying, Do I do this? Do I Am I guilty of this? Do I well guilty even in that saying yeah. am I guilty of that? is There's like judgment within that very yeah, and shame. Uh so <laughs> for those people that are asking those questions of themselves while listening to this podcast episode, um where do, where do they start? Where did you start and and where where do we start?
1: Yeah, great question. So I think you actually just answered it, though, which is <laughs> with awareness, yeah, right. And that. That step sounds so simple and it really is the gateway to things starting to, to change by doing nothing other than simply noticing and becoming aware, right? I'm, I'm constantly telling people that, um, alteration follows awareness. Yes. When we can start to notice these things and just bringing mindfulness to our thought patterns throughout the day, that alone can start to shift them, right? So even when you asked me that question and you said maybe what we might be guilty of, and then you caught yourself like, maybe that's not the word I wanna use, right? It's be, yeah. it's that awareness over and over and over again throughout your day. And just starting that changes things. And it sounds like too easy and too simple. And it's funny because I keep, I keep having conversations with women, um, I've been interviewing a lot of, uh, radical mothers. That's the, the sort of group that I work with um, these days since becoming a mother myself. And I keep having con- conversations about other radical mothers sort of journey of transformation. And they all have very different stories, but what's, un- what's not unique about them, what is absolutely a common thread through every single one of them is that they have this point where they start becoming aware of the patterns in their life. And that seems to be the breaking point where things shift. But that piece is always, it has to be there. It's absolutely critical. And it's definitely the place to start. And then the rest of the shifts just start to happen. It's sort of like with our body, when we can get out of our own way, when we can let those just arise and become aware of them, Big magic can happen quickly. Yes.
2: Um, and mm-hmm. just for our listeners, uh, for anyone that's been following our podcast, uh, there's an episode, Kelsey's episode. Oh. Uh maybe yeah. a handful of episodes back where we talked to someone who's uh an intuitive eating dietitian. And a lot of her episode is all about um Paying attention, starting to recognize how you're thinking about food. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if you want to start, because that's for me when I really started to think about what my brain was saying about sort of what my internal monologue um, yeah. was was doing without my input
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of had picked up on all that social messaging yeah so if you've culture.
2: listened to those two episodes uh and you're hitting up this episode now maybe your your brain is already starting to work on your your internal monologue yeah. um, and, and you can open it up a little bit more now to self-talk as well right yeah how we're,
0: mm-hmm.
2: how we're thinking about ourselves Yeah. And when you, when you start to open it up, you realize how much it applies to. Yes. And it feels for me anyway, because that's kind of where I started the journey with really paying attention was when I was thinking about how I was talking about food. Um, I started to open that up and then I realized, All of the, I started to realize all of the ways across all aspects of my life in which I was
1: allowing this internal monologue to just kind of run wild. Right. And you start to notice, you know, messaging from the media a little bit differently. You start noticing song lyrics a little bit differently. You start noticing relationship dynamics of people on TV a little bit, you know, like all these things that start to make you kind of understand where you may have picked up some of these thoughts. So then you can choose to have them or not, right? You can use your yes. thinking brain to decide if that thought is actually one I want to continue and, and take up space in my brain
2: yeah. or not.
1: And then you can weed out the ones you don't want, right? We talk all the time in the wellness world about like releasing things that are no longer serving you. Well, what does that really mean? Like, you know, that's like that sounds nice, but how do we actually do that? And we do that by examining the things that are taking up space in ourselves and saying, is this helping me or is it holding me back or causing harm in some way? Yeah. And if the answer is the latter, it's not, that's, what's not serving you. Get rid of that. And I mean, this process, I think,
2: I think the process of self-love can be really difficult for people. And like you say, it can peel back all of these layers of trauma, which people thought that they had pushed fully down. And then, yeah, you're going to need another tool.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So let's talk about shaking. <laughs>
1: great i love talking about shaking (laughs)
2: wow okay i'm super curious um how do people get started with this
1: yeah so of course i'm a little biased but i think that the best way to get started is to really find a certified provider and go from there
2: Okay. So Krista is actually a certified provider and she does do things over Zoom, which is really cool. I've also included a list of the certified TRE providers in the show notes.
1: Right. Because this is the kind of thing that you want um, you want expert guidance on because you are starting to, I sort of think of it as like, say your body and your mind are like a snow globe and the snow has settled in a certain pattern. And if we want to change the way the snow has landed on the little village in the snow globe, we got to shake it first. Yeah. In literally and literally, metaphorically. Yeah. But metaphorically also, we got to <laughs> shake it to get it to settle into a new pattern, right? Yeah. And so in that process of shaking, sometimes the water in the globe looks a little cloudier than it did, Until it settles, right? And so, in that process of being cloudy until it resolves, you really want somebody who knows what they're doing to help guide you along. Yeah. So, that being said, it's not, this isn't, it's not re traumatizing. You don't have to relive your trauma. It's not like that. I don't mean that in the sense that it gets cloudy, but it can stir up some big emotions because you're you're releasing this stuff and sometimes to release it it's got to come up and out, right? And so yeah. finding a certified provider just helps to really make sure that you're creating a self container, excuse me, a safe container for for yourself mm-hmm. to be held in to do that work. Kind of the way that you would enter into a relationship with like a therapist for them to be able to hold space for you.
0: Are you able to share a little bit about what a session of TRE would kind of look like for somebody that's never heard of it, never experienced anything like that?
1: Sure. So I will say the way that I do it is a little bit different because I also have a background as a yoga instructor. And I actually had that experience and and training before I came to the TRE world. And so for me, as I was studying TRE, I'm going, wait a minute, this is a yoga posture. And this is a yoga posture. And this is yoga posture. And if we put this together with some yogic breathing and some yogic philosophy, then we've got something that's even better yeah. And so that's how I teach it, right? So you can find people that just teach straight TRE or if you're working with myself it, it's a little bit different because I combine it with yoga. That was the magic duo and and magic sauce that worked well for me. But essentially the TRE process is learning a set of physical exercises. So when you work with me we do yoga flow, right? And the idea is that we're fatiguing and stretching certain muscle groups in the body. And then we get down on the floor and we do a series of exercises that fatigue more muscles and work with the psoas muscle. So if you're not familiar with that, it's the it's a really big um, muscle that connects the top half and the bottom half of your body. It's kind of deep in your lower abdomen against um, the back of your abdominal wall. And we hold a lot in there, right? so we we tend to hold a lot of tension and also contraction there. And so we're we're working on that to really release it. Um, and these exercises on the floor get you to start shaking. And it's shaking typically in your legs. And what's great about this is that you are in charge of the shaking. So you are in control in the sense that you can start the shaking and stop the shaking, but the actual shaking itself happens on its own because it's originating in the subconscious brain. And again, your body just knows how to do this. So if you can sort of step out of your own way and let yourself participate in this, your body will just shake. Um, there's a great a great quote uh, that says that it's, um, the body meditates the brain as we're shaking, right? So the shaking Mm. meditates the brain. Typically we think about the brain meditating, right? And like- Yes. We shake for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes depending on the timing, depending on the client. And then you take a rest period, right? So it's kind of like at the end of a yoga class where you take a shavasana to rest and integrate. We do the same thing in TRE so that you can really allow that shaking to integrate into your body and allow that change to settle in Um, to your nervous system. And then we, we debrief and you go. And, and so over, you know, a handful of sessions, you learn the process so that you can really initiate it and control it and practice it safely on your own. And then you're good to go. And then you've got this skill. This is what I love too, is then you learn it and you have a skill to keep with you for the rest of your life that you can always rely on. That's always there with you whenever you need it. That's really cool. Yeah, Talk to
2: other people and it's, this idea that you shouldn't become reliant, yeah. um, that they should be teaching you tools that you can utilize in your life. And mm-hmm. it's always great to check back in with people and, and tune up and, mm-hmm. and reconnect, but that you shouldn't be dependent for the rest of your life on someone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know that's kind of my goal when I work with a new client is to To be able to not work with them, right? Like, (laughs) that's kind of funny. But ultimately, I want to be their expert companion to teach them this. And then I want to see them be able to just go off and integrate it into their lives. Because, really, again, this is something that your body already knows how to do. And so, learning this process is really almost like a remembering.
2: Well, and that's what animals do. Like, you see, you know, animals, they get into a terrifying situation, they shake like crazy, and then they move on. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. we need to shake so that we don't punch our bosses. Exactly. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. What fitness level, like, is there a fitness level that people have to be mm. to be able to do this?
1: No, that's a good question. No. So absolutely anyone, it's totally beginner friendly. Um, and, and you don't need to have any physical uh, expertise to be able to do okay. it. <laughs> and I say that I put it together with yoga, but the yoga that I do is also like totally beginner friendly.
2: Okay, can mm-hmm, people yeah. with disabilities, are there ways to work around like people with disabilities?
1: Like physical disabilities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's modifications and ways that we can, um, can still do that.
2: Oh, hey, we chatted with Krista about trauma and what it's like for people that have experienced big traumas
1: to go through TRE. And this is what she had to say. Even if you do have a very specific memory of a traumatic experience, What's nice about TRE is that you do not need to relive that moment. You don't have to re-experience it. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to interact with it again, right? So when we have an explicit memory like like that, it's in our thinking brain. But TRE is working on the level of our survival or subconscious brain. And so it's just going to work its magic without us needing to think about it. The other thing is that it works even if we don't remember exactly what happened. So even if that trauma was purely subconscious and we have no explicit memory of it, it's still going to work.
2: It's interesting because we do a lot of uh, sound healing. Mm -hmm. We do giant like sound meditations that work all vibrationally Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. will also, and we talk a lot about like the connection between mind and body and how in Western civilization we (laughs) divorce them. But we'll have people that'll come and their right arm will just start shaking. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "It's you're, you guys are just playing instruments. Like, I don't understand what's happening. And we're like, your body is just letting go of
1: something. Like, let it happen. What's happening is that in that sound meditation, you are creating a safe space where people feel okay and relaxed enough that they can process that stuff and release it from their body, right? And then the other thing you you said sound is vibration right yeah yeah shaking is also vibration in our body vibration yes. is and so you are facilitating that movement with the sound waves right it's why yes. why if you listen to different sounds they have different resonance in your body exactly yeah. right
2: okay we've mm-hmm. completely lost the questions that we are supposed to be asking yeah, you because like i don't, just yeah I don't even even know. know. I'm enthralled. Uh, On a scale of one to 10 on your journey, one being at the very beginning, 10 being right at the end, where do you think you are?
1: Well, I'm closer to 10 than I was, but I'm not going to say I'm at 10 because I don't think I'm ever done. I don't think I'm ever done learning. I don't think I'm ever done connecting dots. I think there's always more to learn and always further to go. Mm -hmm. I just think that I'm a lot further along than I was before. Today, from where you are now in life, looking back, would you
0: change anything about your journey if you could?
1: No, not a single second of it. It was, it was absolutely what it needed to be. Yeah,
2: that's incredible. It's <sighs> amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, do you have any words of wisdom for our audience, anyone that might be listening to this and resonating with your story?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing to remember is that even if you are in that place where you just feel like the suffering is unending to know that it doesn't have to be that way. And that healing is possible. And that it doesn't have to be hard. There is a way to do it. And it, it, life can be better. It does. I know I have lived in that darkness where it just felt like that couldn't even possibly be true. And I've also made it out of that darkness. And if you hear nothing else, just know that that is possible.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah. We're going to have all of your info and stuff in the show notes that people can can check you out, Mm -hmm. can learn more.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing your personal story and for also educating all of us about shaking. That is, it's fascinating. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Thank you so much for sharing.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and letting me come on and share all of this with everyone. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We want to give a huge,
2: huge thank you to all of our listeners. This podcast honestly would be nothing without you. Uh, A big shout out to our Patreons who support us by giving us small monthly donations that make our life easier. (laughs) If you're interested in getting your hands on a
0: shout out from us or on some fun, exciting bonus content, you can head on
2: over to Patreon. You can also find us on Facebook. Instagram and YouTube as Wellness on the Farm, and we would love to connect with you there. A huge shout out to all of the
0: people that have supported us in this adventure, our friends, families, an amazing community, and to Matt Reimer for his editing and photographic help,
2: and all of the people that have answered our one million questions. Oh hey, are you still there? Are you ready for a dad joke? I actually really like this one. Why did Adele cross the road? To say hello from the other side. (laughs) Shut up!